So many books, so little time. If you've ever said, I really want to read the Bible, I just can't fit it all in. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. This is the Bible Book Club. We'll read it to you and help you make sense of the most important book you'll ever read. Okay, big switch part three, but this is the big sister switch. We're leaving the brothers. Yeah, and if you are binging this, I'm gonna go through this recap really quickly because I know you're really excited to get into it because it's like when I'm reading a book at three in the morning and I just can't stop, even though I know I have an (laughs) 8 a.m. meeting. (laughs) I'm sure you're all binging this because gosh, things are getting crazy. Okay, so here's your quick recap in chapter 27 and 28. The Chosen Family, they failed terribly. They, They are not the kind of people necessarily worthy of God's calling. However, God calls them anyway. Jacob stole the blessing from Esau. Jacob had to leave because Esau threatened to kill him. And then Jacob meets God on the road and he receives a promise. Okay, set up. Chapter 29 and 30. Today, God is going to teach Jacob a heart-crushing lesson about deception. He's going to be on the receiving end. And it is very ironic that this switch is not about the brothers. It's a sister switch. The consequence of which will affect this family for the rest of his life. And that's the sad thing sometimes about sin. It's like a ripple in the pond. It just echoes on forever. In this scene, Jacob is bolstered by his visit from God, but still is probably more than a little homesick for family. Because remember, it was Esau who loved the outdoors and Jacob who loved being at home in his tent with his mom. All right, the big sister switch, chapter 29. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw well in a field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of the well, they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all of the flocks would be gathered there and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, my brethren, where are you from? And they said, we are from Haran. Then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said to him, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Then he said, look, it is still high day and it is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go feed them. But they said, we cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. Now, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Okay, so I don't know about you, but there have been different points in my life where there were hangouts where you would meet people like at University of Florida it was GP GPA and everybody in between classes would go hang out there and when I traveled through Europe it was the Spanish steps in Rome you know and that's just where you met the young people I just feel like the well is where it was at because first Rebecca and now Rachel like if you were at the well at the right time 
you would meet the right girl. That's just the way it was. It was the providence of God that brought Jacob to the exact place where he needed to be, just like Eleazar. However, based on the description of the well, the commentaries kind of agree this is probably not the same well that Eleazar went, even though both Eleazar and Jacob have gone to the same family to get a bride. Water at this time was very precious in this dry area, and the well would have been covered for protection from sand and from random individuals because with a stone covering it, it would have taken a group of men to lift the covering. And that is why the rule kind of was, no, we have to wait till everybody's gathered. We roll it away. It's a joint effort. And then we cover it back up and you don't just have poachers taking your water. Well, then that's what's even more funny about him being like, well, watch me. He's trying yeah, to impress exactly. her. I, don't I know. can roll this thing away he, all he, by myself. He must have had some help. <laughs> it is interesting to me that Isaac and Rebecca did send him off without a show of wealth. So remember when Eliezer came to the well, he came with 10 camels and it was like, like everybody was like, oh, who's this dude at the well? You know, he's got a lot of stuff. We're going to learn because uh, Jacob has to work to earn his living that they didn't send him off with a lot of stuff, which I just have to wonder why, but poor guy. Yeah, but this is another really good love story in the Bible because he really, really loves her. Yes, he does love her. It is. It's a sad, it's a sweet, sad love story because it's a love triangle. Yeah. Verse 13. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things and Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Okay, translation of delicate eyes meant that they were tender. So in other words, Leah's eyes were probably weak or bleary, not clear, which was considered a great defect in the East where bright eyes were favored, bright, dark eyes were favored. Leah's name means weary and may be another indicator about her eyes. So basically Leah was not very pretty and would have been hard for her to get a husband and Rachel was beautiful, like yeah, drop dead Yeah, it's so gorgeous. funny because I read a lot of commentaries on this and it doesn't say that Leah wasn't be- was, wasn't pretty, but because her eyes were, you know, some people even said she may have had, the, the desert is really dry, some kind of, um, you know, I can't remember the name, but thing that made, made her eyes kind of watery or red that um, it was a distraction in her features. Mm. Verse 18, now, now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Not much of a compliment there. No. <laughs> Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. See, it's a love story. I know. So Jacob cute. is just a passionate guy. And you see that in him a little bit more than Isaac. He was passionate about fulfilling his calling to be God's chosen man. So passionate. He literally stole the birthright and the blessing. And he's passionate about winning Rachel. So passionate that he's just like, like moonstruck over her. Like seven days is like a day to him because he's just enamored of her. Could you imagine being Rachel and that man is working for seven years? 
years and you know that? Yes. And his passion makes him industrious. He is a man of action. Jacob does most everything with zeal. Like Abraham, he's going to multiply his wealth and manage a large family as if it were nothing. We're going to see in future chapters, Jacob's going to carry us really to the end of Genesis. So we're going to be with him for a while. And he is very much an industrious man, large family, large grows his industry. Like I said, he's his nation. He's He's got it going on. Oh, it's such a good story. And oh, just as an aside, there's a book called The Red Tent and it's all about this whole family. Oh, gosh. And it's not a, a book. It's fiction. Book. I mean, it's yeah. fiction. It's historical fiction. What a good book. Oh, really? I haven't oh, read it. I need to read such that. such a good book. One of my favorites ever. All right. Continuing in verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. Okay. So he sounds a little harsh here. Like, like it's I've very been, straight up. Like, I'm okay, done. Okay. Time. Give her up. He's either like ready. It's time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a long time, seven but years. But I have to wonder if in this seven years of working for Laban, he's beginning to suspect the man has a scheming nature and he's grown weary of it. Like, okay, I get what kind of guy you are. He's seven years is a long time to know somebody, not just Rachel, but her, her family and how they operate. Well, we're going to see that he does. Yeah. Continuing on in verse 22. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? All right. The sister switch to me is kind of like the goat hair thing. Mm-hmm. How could this have happened? How could he have not known that this was Leah? Well, again, it's this generational sin where your kids are going to learn from your yes, mistakes. Exactly. And if you don't figure just out how like to he tricked his break father. that cycle, they will continue it. Yeah. Just it's like terrible. he tricked his father, he is being tricked. Jacob was familiar with Rachel after seven years. I'm sure he had kissed her. He had held her. You would think... That also Rachel and Leah would have objected, refused, or at least given Jacob a heads up. This is a seven day bridal feast. So you would think at some point Leah and Rachel would have caught wind at their father's plan and said, oh my gosh, no, we are not doing that. Or hello, Rachel may be saying, Leah, you can't do this to me. Something would have leaked out to him. Oh, it did. You read the red tent. Oh, they will tell you. Yeah, but that's fiction. (laughs) In this case, he really didn't know. Perhaps he had been drinking. Like I said, the bridal feast traditionally lasted for seven days. That's a lot of that's a lot of feasting. Now, also, the bride wore a veil and it was dark. No candles provided, maybe. I don't know. Perhaps, again, like in the case of Isaac, at least he recognized that, is that your voice? It doesn't sound like Esau. It sounds like Jacob. You would think, did she just not speak? Or did she feign sign, you know, shyness or something and not speak? Because he fell for it. He Or was he just so anxious to, to physically be seven with the years. <laughs> seven years that he just couldn't, didn't care. Now, the question, the next question I had was, why had Laban deceived Jacob? What was the point here? The short answer, no matter what Laban says, and he's going to say something in a minute, was greed. Laban and Bethuel, remember Rebecca's brother, Laban is Rebecca's brother, and Bethuel is is Rebecca's father, had profited greatly when Eliezer took Rebecca. Remember, 10 camels worth of gifts. 
So now all of a sudden, you know, Jacob comes back and they're thinking in their head and, and Laban's thinking in his head, man, my dad got like seven camels worth or 10 ga- camels worth of gifts. I should be able to get something from this kid. They're rich. My bro- my um, nephew Isaac is rich. And so, you know, perhaps seven years of working just didn't equal to enough gold to him. He also knew that that this family was the chosen line and their wealth would only grow. So why shouldn't he benefit? He was providing the wives for all this family. He had provided his sister, Rebecca, and he was providing his daughter, Rachel. He wanted to be grafted in financially. Or perhaps the relationship was already so strained that Laban knew Jacob would leave and he couldn't resist more. He just couldn't let him go yet. So was it already just a custom to take multiple wives there? Or was this something he was orchestrating so to get more Moses's money? Moses's edict about one wife had not really come out yet, but it was not the tradition to take multiple wives. Isaac only took one. But again, there wasn't really a law about it at this point. So it wasn't unheard of. Verse 26, and Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn, fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Okay, so maybe <laughs> that was the tradition that the, the, the girls should be married off in age order, birth order. But if that had been Laban's intent, yeah. he could have set it up front when they agreed on the original seven years for Rachel. Right, because weren't weren't like handshake agreements a really big deal he was just to the Jews back then? To keeping and the boy working. If I'm him, I'm like, another seven years, you're out of your <laughs> cotton picking mind. No, they moved at a slower pace back then. <laughs> Crazy. All right, verse 28. Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. So he gave him his daughter, Rachel, as a wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. Then Jacob also went into Rachel and he also loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served with Laban still another seven years. So I don't really understand that. So he gave he gave him the wife first and then made him serve so, the seven years? Yeah, so um, Leah got a whole week being his wife physically. It was all about the physical act. It really was because that you're supposed to produce heirs. So she got a whole week before he gave Jacob, Laban gave Jacob Rachel. And then he had to serve seven years after he had Rachel for her. That's a really good man to keep that agreement after that, after Laban had just completely deceived him mm-hmm. and then he got the wife and then still served the seven years. That is a righteous man. And it's a sad thing that women were so used as a, you know, bargaining thing in in mm-hmm. in um in business actually. All right. The really this is it this is I cling to the statement. I'm probably wrong to cling for it because all the verses coming up are gonna kind of deny it. But because here it says he loved Rachel more than Leah, there is a little hope that he cared for Leah at least a little because he said he loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. <laughs> but that doesn't play out as much in the future. However, it is likely that Leah knew about the plot and went along with it, which may have been a very bad start to her marriage and resulted in anger and discord between Leah and Jacob and Leah and Rachel. So we're going to, there's going to be some sister wives problems coming up. I mean, how could there not be? How could there not be? Because it, it, it's, it would be hard to deny that Le- Leah didn't know what was going on. She could have fought her father on this. She could have given her sister a heads up. She could have 
given Jacob a heads up. So she was kind of part of it, which then puts her in a very bad position in in the triangle. And also, if she had a little bit of a defect, she might have known that she no, this wasn't was her going to be able yes. to get a she, husband. She otherwise. took her chance. She she took her chance. And she went along with it. It still doesn't negate the fact that it was deceptive. Awful. And as deception, you know, Jacob deserves it. Certainly, he was deceptive. And and in this case, that's the lesson for him: is he's being deceived with a woman who probably informed was fair, built like like Rachel. Right. They were sisters. They yeah, they were sisters. Similar. And it doesn't say she wasn't beautiful. She just wasn't as beautiful as Rachel. And she had this one defect. He was fooled. And and just like he fooled his father. Yeah, ouch. Again, it comes back around. Ouch, ouch. All right. Well, Jacob learns a painful lesson. Family tendencies towards sin are so real. Rebecca taught her predisposition to use deception to Jacob in the blessing steal. She literally taught him what to do. Just as Abraham passed the fearful lying predisposition to Isaac, this is a pattern we're going to see. God used Laban, who like his sister Rebecca, had the family knack for deception to teach Jacob a necessary lesson because Jacob needed to become a leader of God and he couldn't use deception. That's just not God's way. Okay, and- so, I, so, so I just have to speak to the listeners for a minute. What kind of generational sin have you learned from your parents that you need to break? Because I know I have some. What are they for you and how do you break that cycle? I have a good answer. Go get Susan's path. The path. <laughs> Study yeah. the path because you can break it. It's hard. It's not the easiest thing you'll ever do, but you can break that path. Yeah, we just do it in little subtle ways. We don't know they're watching or we're making them a part of our sin. It's terrible. God placed Jacob into a situation of desire. He wants Rachel, just like he wanted the birthright in the blessing. He can feel it. This was a desire, a physical longing he had. He knew she was the woman for him, but he has to work for it instead of taking it by scheming. And to make it worse, he's going to be outmaneuvered by an older master of manipulation, his uncle. Jacob is being schooled. The sister's switch was 14 years or 5,110 daily lessons in patience, self-control, and trust. That is painful, but God's will must be done God's way. And Jacob, the leader of the Israel nation, needs to be a man about God's will. Which is how you know he is, but who, because who in their right mind would work for 14 years if not for God? Yeah. And it really ends up being 20. We're going to get into that. But all right, I have a short comparison of Jacob's sin and Jacob's consequences. So he learned a lesson of serving and control. Jacob wanted Esau to serve him as promised. Remember the older will serve the younger, but Jacob has to learn to serve Laban for 14 plus years. So there is a penance to pay for what he did. The lesson of deception. Jacob deceived Isaac to get the blessing and Jacob was deceived into marrying Leah. Patience, the lesson of patience. Jacob didn't wait for God to deliver the promise. And so Jacob was forced to work 14 years for God to deliver Rachel or Laban to deliver Rachel, if you want to say that. Greed. Jacob made a really unfair bargain with Esau about the birthright for the stew. That was so unfair. He was inheriting, you know, at that time, probably millions valued today for a pot of stew. Jacob then had his wages unfairly changed by Laban. And we're going to find out in the next chapter 10 times. 
Laban frustrates him by changing his wages. Yeah. Okay. So your life can go in the direction that God has for you either way, but it can be an easy path or it can be a hard path with consequences like this. Why would you choose the consequences? Choose the easier path and just stay on the path that God has for you instead of having to deal with all these generational consequences of your sin. And it comes down to trusting and submitting. Just trust that God's way is better than ours and submit to it, which is really hard for us. Hard. It's easier to say than do. And I I know that as I say that, but this is the challenge to you today. Mm-hmm. Please try to break the generational sin. Okay, we're going to pivot now to Jacob builds a nation and he builds it not with one woman. He builds it first with Leah. Who was his first wife? Verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So sweet. All through the Bible, there are sweet examples of how God loves the lonely. First, we had Hagar, remember crying at the well and just so sad. And now Leah, God sees her distress. And that's the sweet thing. We may look at the outward form. Oh, she had bleary eyes or whatever it was, but God sees her heart and Leah had a good heart. Verse 32. So Leah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Reuben for she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son. Now, this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. This is a Bible bender. In the naming of her sons, you see a change in her heart. Leah learns to love God, not she puts aside, you know, since Eve is said, you know, part of the curse is her desire shall be for her husband. And mm-hmm. Leah's up, up until the first sons, her desire is for her husband. She keeps naming her son, her son's after, now he'll love me. Now he'll pay attention to me. Now, you know, whatever. And then she learns, no, it's not about this husband. It's about God. Leah's story is an encouragement for every woman who suffers a humanly loveless life. Leah is cruelly, without any thought to her feelings, handed from an unloving father. Okay, maybe he was loving a little, but the way he dealt with them, he was not. You're going to see even in the future. Unloving father to an unloving husband. Yet God sees her distress and slowly with each son, we see her faith grow and she learns to divert her desire for love from Jacob's love to God's love. Just to recap this, Reuben, it's because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband husband will love me now. Simeon, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. Levi, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I'm born in three sons. Judah, this time I will praise the Lord. Now, she hits this point with Judah of faith and desire for God and probably joy and contentment more in her life because she's not looking towards Jacob for that. And God blesses Leah. He blessed her for suffering and for faithful submission to a lonely life calling. Her, she has the eldest son, Simeon, which again, remember, there's a whole bunch of stuff there about the eldest son. Her third son, Levi, is going to be chosen by God to form the priesthood. And his sons of sons will be Moses and Aaron, who saved Israel. Then God honored her as Jacob's first wife, and she, not Rachel, was buried with Abraham's. Sarah and Jacob. The 
That's a big deal to them back then. Rachel was not buried with them. She was. But most of all, it was Leah's fourth son, Judah, the one she named Judah, meaning this time I will praise the Lord, the one that finally turned her desires from her longing of her husband to a longing and loving of God. This son became the chosen son and the future tribe that became the family line to Jesus, the Messiah and the promise of our salvation. All right. Now, Jacob continues to build a nation with Bilhah, Rachel's mate. So next up to bat and having children is Rachel's mate, which is really going to remind you of something else. Chapter 30. It already does. Chapter 30. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. This is why sister wives are not a good idea. She said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, am I in place of God who is withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, here's my maid Bilhah, go into her and she will bear a child on my knees that I also may have children by her. Generational sin. Okay, there's a proverb. It's 25, 24 and it says, it is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Jacob, like Abraham, succumbed to the give your husband your maid competition for children. The path was greased by their contentious wives, Rebecca and Sarah. It's the same thing. It's the wife just needling their husband. He even says, who am I, God? I can't do it. Because you know, he was sleeping with Rachel 10 times more than he was sleeping with Leah. Oh yeah, because he loved her more. Oh yeah, no, you're going to see. It's a control thing. Yeah. Where he slept was definitely a control play. We're going to get to that in a minute. But you know, it is a it is a, a little bit of a lesson to us that we can detour our husbands from God's calling by being contentious mm-hmm. and that needling kind of, give me a child or I'm going to die. Drama. Drama, yeah. Okay, carrying on. Verse four. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilkah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed, I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. It was all about the competition. So, of course, Naphtali. Next, Jacob continues to build a nation with Zilpah, Leah's maid. Verse nine, when Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Comedy of errors continues, I just have to say. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, a troop comes. So she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now note, I want to make a note here. Bilhah and Zilpah were, were Jewish servants compared to Hagar, who was Egyptian. That is why Bilhah's and Zilpah's children are considered heirs to the promise under Isaac and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, while Ishmael's was not. Mm -hmm. Ishmael was not. So just clarification there. They are maids, but remember they came from Bethuel. And so they are at the time not called Hebrew women, but they were from the family. Yeah, but that's an interesting fact. Yes. 
And that's why all four are really considered wives, not concubine wives, kind Mm -hmm. of. We explained that last time. Verse 14. Now, Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother, Leah. When Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you've taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. Okay, I think this story may have been inserted just as a taste of a day in the life of the sister wives. Bickering and jealousy are common. And we kind of even get that impression that, you know, Leah had these four sons and then kind of the maids start having sons. And maybe even did Rachel tell Jacob that he couldn't sleep with Leah? Because she hasn't slept with him. And she says, is is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband. So it kind of gives the impression that there's a little control play going on there. The fight is over a mandrake. So let me just explain that. This is also called a love apple, which was a small round yellow fruit that was believed to promote fertility. Right. And I've looked it up before. If you look at the picture of it, it's really crazy. It it looks like a female body. Oh, when, really? Yeah. Go look it up. Go Google what a mandrake looks like and what why they called it um, an herb of f- fertility. It was a plant that would grow. And when they pulled it out of the ground, they would say that it shrieked like it screamed. And when you pull it out, it looks like so with the roots. I know it is creepy. With the roots, it looks like the roots are the legs. And then it's this round voluptuous body of a woman. So they thought it was ah. a, a, a signature of... Um, Fertility. Well, of course, Reuben is the one who found the mandrakes and he is Leah's son. And Rachel, of course, is the one who really wants them because she's the only wife of the four who has not had a child. So she needs the fertility. Rachel, like her husband, is the child of a manipulator. Remember, she is Laban's daughter. She reads this desire in her sister Leah, just like Jacob read the desire in his brother when he was dying for the stew. Rachel's a manipulator and she gets it. She knows what her sister wants. Her sister desires the attention of Jacob. And so Rachel sells it. The it being her husband, Jacob. Jacob, the one that sold the stew in exchange for the birthright, ironically, is the one who gets sold for a night of procreation in exchange for some fruit. It's just, you can't write this. This is so ironic. I told you it's three in the morning and there's, I'm like one more chapter. Yeah, how could this happen? I can't. It's kind of funny that Jacob didn't even put up a fuss about basically being treated like a male prostitute. Mm-hmm. But perhaps when you live with sister wives, well, I mean, he's probably not, not just having a problem with this. Well, you do he's probably having a pretty peace. good time. Yeah. You just, you, you just do anything to keep the peace. He just does <laughs> anything to keep the peace with Rachel. I'm just, okay, great. Leah tonight. I got it. I'll go. <laughs> I don't know. You think he would have said he's something. He's like the luckiest man in what, what town were they in? I don't know. Depending on his day, he may have been tired. I don't know. He's got four <laughs> wives. I, I, <laughs> All right, (laughs) moving on. Moving on. Verse 17, and God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Ishkar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulon. 
Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. All right, I just want to do the math for y'all. Leah had six sons. Now, ultimately, we haven't gotten to it, but all the three other wives are going to have two kids each. And that includes Rachel. We haven't gotten to hers yet. But when you think of, you know, three wives had six kids and Leah had six alone Mm -hmm. sons. Now, there were other daughters in there. Dinah's being specifically mentioned because she's going to be the central character of another chapter that we need to know about. it's a terrible story. Terrible story. Just wait. We're going to get to it. But it is clear to me that God has a special place for Leah. With six six sons and having the firstborn son, she definitely is going to gain a little bit of um, just, what do you call it? Matriarchalness in the family. Even though everyone knows that Jacob loves Rachel more, this God has blessed Leah and that's clear. And that's going to say something to the people. So again, I just think it's sweet that God elevates Leah threefold. She has as many sons as three wives have. Because she's obedient. Yeah. And because she, there's something in her heart that 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 God sees that that Jacob missed. Mm-hmm. All right, finally Jacob is going to build a nation with Rachel. Verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son. God has taken away my reproach, so she called his name Joseph and said, "The Lord shall add to me another son." And and he is. He's going to add Benjamin in chapter 35, and that'll come complete the 12 sons of Jacob. In the end, I do think, again, it's just so fair of God that both Rachel and Leah each have a son that features prominently in God's story. Rachel's son, Joseph, is going to save his people. He's going to, he's going to, um, you know, bring them out of, he's going to save them from starvation. But not before he endures a lot of hardship. Yeah, he does. And he's going to get a double portion. And I'm going to explain that in the future, how how Jacob in that prophetic blessing at the end of Genesis is going to give Joseph a double portion for saving them. Leah and Judah, as I said, will be the faithful um, tribe that produces the king of David and the king of kings, Jesus. If you like a visual of the sons of Jacob and their mothers and the future tribes of Israel, we have done a graphic in the show notes that kind of explains this because these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel that that feature prominently pretty much in the remainder of the Old Testament. Oh, and they talk about this for a very long time. So if you're visual like me, you'll love this. And even if you're not visual like me, just go look at this at this uh, chart that Susan has done because it is something that will really help you understand the whole basis for the history of the Jewish people and ultimately then Jesus. Yeah, it's a great story. And next week is another great story too. Stay tuned. What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to SusanMe.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio, edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.